people are getting the wrong information on starting a podcast. And, you know, when you think about starting a podcast, most people, it's quite easy to kind of go, well, what kind of content am I going to give people? There's no shortage of content. There's no shortage of information. There's no shortage of topical based stuff, right? And I think over time you understand or give more weightage to being in the moment, being grateful that even if you have 50 listeners, even if you have 50 listeners, I have driven 200 kilometers. I'm not sure what that's in miles, maybe 100 miles to speak to three people that I didn't even know in a room. Podcast Junkies, episode 239. Welcome back. This is Harry Duran. I'm the host of this show, the one where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting and learn all about what's happening in their world and how much podcasting has affected their lives, which is of interest to this audience. And it has been since 2014. Last week, we had a great chat with Heather Osgood, friend of the show, founder of True Native Media, and host of the Podcast Advertising Playbook. That was a great deep dive and geeking out on all things sponsorship-related, ad-related, podcast tech-related. Make sure you check that out, episode 238. This week, I have a longtime friend, Ronsley Vaz, who's a podcaster, author, speaker, and founder at Must Amplify, and also the creator of the We Are Podcast Conference. Given everything that's happening in this post-COVID world, we have an interesting chat around entrepreneurship, personal growth, and the power of podcasts as a platform for education and change. Ronzi shares his inspiring story on how he launched his company Amplify and the We Are Podcast Conference. I actually got to attend the conference and speak at it in Australia in late 2018 and had a great opportunity to connect after the conference with some of my podcasting friends as well. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Ronzi's launched a new show called The Psychology of Entrepreneurship, and it's a full-blown production with uh, great sound, great interviews, and it's a sign of how he's progressed as a podcaster and as a podcast host. Here with me, he opens up about his personal growth journey and transformation and shares a lot of lessons he's learned along the way. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 239. I want to let you know about a special promotion we're working on. You can now get paid to share Podcast Junkies with your friends, family, and coworkers. As podcasters, we know that one of the best ways to support a podcast is to actually share it. So I want to reward you as my way of saying thanks. From now until the end of the month, I'm running a contest. All you have to do is sign up, get your unique referral link, and then share it out. Think about all the platforms you have access to, email, text, Facebook groups, direct messages. However you connect with your peeps, it's your opportunity to tell people why they should check out this show. It could be the easiest $100 you make all year, and you'll be supporting podcast junkies along the way. I've placed the link at the top of the show notes. It's at podcastjunkies.com forward slash superfans. And you may have seen me promoting it already on social media. As an added bonus, anyone who promotes the show will get a shout out on a future episode of Podcast Junkies. And it'll be a nice problem to have when I have a long list of folks whose names I need to read out. And it'll be 
done with a huge smile on my face and a heart full of appreciation for everything you do. So podcastjunkies.com forward slash superfans and spread the word out about the show and you listening right now. Obviously, if you're listening, you are a super fan. (laughs) You could be the one cashing that $100 check at the end of the month. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 about your existing or new show. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's jump into this conversation with Ronsley. My mate, my friend, Ronsley Vaz, we are mid-September 2020, date stamp in this. You're the host of Psychology of Entrepreneurship, founder of Amplify, and founder and creator of the We Are Podcast conference, and probably a a ton of other accolades we'll probably figure out as we go along. Thank you so much. This is a long overdue chat on Podcast Junkies. I'm honored to have you on, brother. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. We go, it's crazy how we go back. It feels like way back. Yeah. I feel like I've had this conversation so many times, which just hasn't been recorded. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of these. If we could piece together all the conference, lobby, you know, bar, parking lot conversations. (laughs) We've had, you know, masterminds. It's been crazy that we haven't actually formalized it. So I'm glad we have this chance now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm curious, there's a couple of things I want to tease out your entrepreneurial journey, but since the basis of this show is stories about podcasters, I'm curious, I'm always, I love origin stories, and I'm curious when they started appearing on your radar, podcasting itself, and then as a consumer, and then when you started to think about it as, as possibly being a business opportunity. Yeah, it's funny. I've been on so many interviews and I've done so many interviews. I've never, I don't think any, I've ever told this part of the story. But <laughs> I have been an Audible member for like 11 or 12 years now since yeah. when they started back way back when. So I was always an audiophile. And if I go back even before that, after I did my Bachelor of Engineering, I DJed for a you know, about 18 months to two years. And my dad hated me so much (laughs) in that time. He was like, you're the most qualified DJ on the planet who's got a bachelor of engineering and in computer engineering above all things, and then goes and DJs. But so obviously that's going to be some, a thread I got to pull having grown up as a DJ. What genre were you playing? So I used to do house sessions and it's crazy how it all came back around to do We Are Podcast House Sessions. Oh, because cool. that's what I was known for because I was amongst other things. I mean, in where I DJed in Goa, we've got a huge house scene, big, you know, in Goa trance is obviously a, a genre of music. Dance parties are legendary in Goa, like legendary. Like when I came to Australia, people would be like, hey, let's go out and we'll party the night. I'm like, night? In Goa, we party for seven days. Like what is one night? Are you kidding? That's funny. Yeah, so Goa has got such a cool party scene, but I didn't like. I was not in the party scene. I was the cre. I was back. I was. I didn't do any of the alcohol. I didn't do any of the drugs. I didn't get caught up in any of the nonsense. I was just the DJ that everyone was like, "What's this guy's deal? How is he so weird? Like, why is he here? Like, you know? what gear so, were you using?" So I was on Denon's back okay. then. Yeah. We were on Denon's and CDJ, CDJ 300s. So that was like way back. I even learned on like 100s, I'm pretty sure. You know, back then you had to really find the pitch properly, you know, find the tempo properly. You didn't have, you didn't have the... I learned on uh, vinyl with 1200s, Technics 1200s. 
And I right. still have them in storage too. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to get those out. Oh man, man, that has been such a cool thing to bring back. Just in terms of general stuff, because you had this audio background, right? So I think in general, I loved audio. And I think I was listening to, to audiobooks and then podcasts came along. I never really saw myself as creating a podcast. However, I, had a, I was a chef. I mean, amongst other things, software engineer, financial advisor, chef. I've done a few different things, DJ. But I was a chef and I had my own restaurant for a few years. And that shut overnight. So as my entrepreneurial journey started from negative half a million dollars about, what, seven and a half years ago, that part led me to create this chefing business, which was like chefs would go into people's homes and cook for them. And I would get chefs that were like, you know, uh, had spare time, would plug in from one end and people who wanted their food cooked for them would in their homes would plug in from the other end so we would they would go once a week cook their meals put them in the google calendar in their fridge and freezer and they would buy so to promote that or to like educate people on that i started a podcast called bond appetite which was the mm-hmm. name of the, the, the yeah, yeah. thing as well and i was just having conversations with people and i don't know how that became a thing to be honest that was just <laughs> crazy story yeah so so you, there was something there you said you started half a million dollars in debt. So just so people get the whole picture, how and to the extent, whatever you want to cover and however short yeah. you want to make that story. But how did that happen? Yeah, I can make it super short. It was my first business. I came out. So I, I had a master's of business administration before I started that business, right? This is really important for everyone. So as much as I thought that I was the expert in business, I wasn't. I think uh, there was a a bunch of mistakes that I made and kept making and the business model for a restaurant was just so broken in Australia because of wages was such a high bill, different factors that in business, it's super important to cover, right? You could be the best chef in the world, but if your business around it is flawed, then you just cooking for yourself and your family and your friends, right? And that's the hard reality because people, I'm not even joking, Harry, people eat my food People have cried. People have (laughs) had memories of their dead people. And they have told me like, you know, hey, this is like, this is one story I always remember. 91 years old, this friend of mine said, you have to eat my friend Ronsley's food on to his grandmother who was, you know, on her birthday, 91 years old. She came into the restaurant and I made her a sandwich, just chicken sandwich. And she came to the pass and she said, Ronsley, I don't know you. This is the first time I met you, but that was the best sandwich I had in my life. Awesome. And I fucking, and I cried. She cried. It was weird, but it happened. And people have told me like, you know, you should start a restaurant. I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> let me tell you about that story. So the business failed in the sense that I kept trying to make it work. And then one day the universe shut it for me. We did service on Saturday night. On Sunday, the locks were changed and there was a legal case. I couldn't afford to go down a lawyer path because wow. it's already down. So I just had to walk away from everything that was built for like three and a half, four years, which I thought was in this restaurant, but it was all inside me, which was crazy. So that's the backstory to that half a million dollars. We might have to make this the first show notes that actually includes a recipe. So you might have to dig something out and send it to me. <laughs> so we'll Love. put that in there. So then, okay, so that that closed and you're moving on to new ventures. You started at Bond Appetit. Was that the one that I came on? I came on one of your early shows. I, I think it was there. That was early days. So that was fun. What were you learning through the process of those early interviews? 
that I was a bad mm. listener. Elaborate. Very, very bad listener. I learned that I did not know how to have a conversation. I just knew how to talk. I also learned that I was, I had a gift inside me that I needed to like chisel out and get better with. And I actually said this to Taki yesterday because we had a chat and Taki Mo is Harry and my business coach for context. I said to Taki, when I started interviewing people, I was a bad interviewer, but every six or seven interviews, someone would cry and it would be weird. And now it's become every two or three interviews. And it's becoming normal because I would, I come up and tell Rochelle, Hey, you know, I had this person who is on the rich list or some, like they've done some crazy thing. Right. And I've come upstairs and I said, Hey, you know, uh, this person cried on the show and she's just like, yeah. So she reminds me like, why why is that new? Like this happens all the time. But for me, it's like, I can't believe that just happened. So I feel incredibly blessed that I get to have the conversation. I learned that part of interviewing and part of doing putting yourself out there putting your voice out there putting even putting your opinion out there or giving anyone a platform you know part of all that is understanding what you have to say and understanding what you stand for and understanding and getting a chance to refine your voice i think that's probably the best thing that i've gotten is i had a bunch of opinions and then i got a chance to say it out loud and then someone challenged me on that and then i got a chance to refine it and i didn't get a chance to like I didn't want to go back at them, but I wanted to refine my argument. And I think something inside me always, always, always since I was a child wanted to do that. So yeah, that's been an internal crazy journey for me. How does one make a decision and what process did you go through when you decided that you wanted to transition away from that show and then how much time passed before you decided it was time for a new one? That's another good question because we still get listeners on that show on Bond Appetite. And, you know, it's the one that got all the fame because it got a million listens in four and a half, about five months. And was on the banner section of iTunes and, you know, just got recognized everywhere. So I had to evolve what I had to say. I had to evolve. Let, it was almost like a skin shedding. It took a lot of time. It was like how I, you know, my dad's Indian, my mom's Portuguese. I was born in Bahrain. I'm Australian. When I had to give up my Indian passport that felt the same way like because India doesn't allow to dual citizenship so I had to let go of Indian passport to get an Australian passport the same similar thing happened with Bond Appetit and I try to hold on for those longest time try to like you know do <laughs> crazy things like repurpose other shows and there was no energy in it I let go for a long time it was just yeah. internally I knew right that it had time but it took I'd say 18 months or maybe two years before we finally went, all right, let's do a, the team actually came up and said, like, I think it's time. It's time you just do a final episode. So that's how that went down. And so there's a couple of competing timelines here. So was this, or talk to me about how Amplify got started and when the timing on that happened. Yeah. So Bond Appetite got all the, this crazy fame, right? And suddenly a whole bunch of people were like, help me start a podcast. And I said, here's my Evernote folder. I just, you know, and they're like, we don't understand anything in this folder. And I'm like, it's simple. Why don't they, like, why don't they understand? And I forgot masters of software engineering, DJ played in a band. Like I forgot any of that stuff, right? I didn't give myself any of that credit. So I started to create a training program. I created a training program and sold it to eight people. So six in a group, two one-on-ones. 
And in a week, that eight, those eight spots were gone. And I had 32 grand in my account. And which obviously went to paying off this debt that yeah. had to be paid out. So it's not yeah. really in the account. Yeah. But I was like, oh my God, this is interesting because I didn't even create the course yet. And, you know, so I went through many batches of making, of getting people in, paying down the debt, started the first podcasting conference, which was supposed to be in the world because podcast movement wasn't out yet. Okay. And then they, yeah, they were not out yet. And so they did it in August, I think, or July, August, and then we did it in, in November. So in Australia, for sure, the first podcasting conference. And that was 2014? 2015. 2015. That was 2015. Okay. That's 2015. Yeah. And then early 2016, I had this idea. I was like, wait a minute. I think there's a whole part on the other side and before to starting the podcast and if i can explain it to people and i can get like 10 clients or beta clients or like first adopters early adopters let's make a business out of that so i had eight clients one of them called me and said what's the name of your business i want to refer you to a friend of mine and i said i'll call you back <laughs> googled powerful verbs i remember where i was didn't even get to be got a amplify called him back called amplify then registered the name that's hilarious. couldn't register amplify <laughs> great story but that's how amplify started by the end of the year we had the website was up we had like a whole bunch of awards and became a million dollar company in nine months or something but you know that took 11 years of work before that so you were doing you had the agency and then the first conference was it around the same time so the conference started in 2015, in 20, next year, 2016, okay. the agency started. Okay. And then following the agency, I wrote the book in this, in 2016. It got published in 2016. In 2017, we signed the first deal with Amazon in Australia and we started Library of Sound, which is an audiobook service. We got a 10 year deal with them. And then in 2017, I got to a TEDx talk, which in 2020 became a TED talk. And yeah. So this has been crazy, Jay. <laughs> Very cool. There's a lot of things obviously in there to dig through, but let's talk about the conference because that sort of grew over time. And you know, I know you had plans for it to continue to grow and get bigger. And then let's just file that in the live events category <laughs> affected by COVID for now. But what was your thought process as you were building it? And what did you want to do differently than what other people were doing on the conference circuit? So primarily, well, the conference was never started. I had never had, I didn't have a business plan for the conference. I just wanted to bring a bunch of people together is the only reason I can think about when it started, right? Because literally it finished and I said, bye, that's it. Didn't even think about it until the next year when everyone was like, Hey, are you going to run it again? And I almost didn't run it again. And then again, it got to July and I was like, all right, I'll run it again. And then that's how it became a thing which it landed up becoming in 2016 onwards a place that I could bring all my friends to Australia. So I ran a speaker retreat at the back end of that, which was like four days and three nights where I put on everything for the speakers and we just have a, we just be people for that time and I get to cook for them. <laughs> and that was the main reason to do We Are Podcast until 2020 when we were supposed to do Brisbane and we pivoted in seven weeks and then we started we, we did we are podcast house sessions and we had 220 people from 15 countries show up and then we're doing now one in November again and it's just crazy but I think live events 
it's cool what COVID has done to live events. That's, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Well, I think it, like everything else, it shakes up your preconceived notions about you know what you think, what business you're in. You know whether are you in the live event business, or are you in the connections business? You know because then you could figure out how to pivot. And you know like we were alluding to earlier when we got started, like every entrepreneur is being tested during this process about what exactly their business is about. And I've also been reading the book Anti Fragile, and it's been by Nicholas. I always Taleb. I forget. I always forget. He's got three names in here, <laughs> but it's been fascinating because it's this concept of like building something that actually invites attempted destruction of said thing for the purpose of seeing just how resilient it is and actually get stronger as a result of the adversity to become something like even better when you think and the analogy is like when your bones break they heal back and they're stronger because of the break so it's been a fascinating concept to think about and something that i filter through uh, from a lens perspective when i think about where my business is at how anti-fragile it is and, and other what other endeavors that i take if they if they'll fit in that category as well but I think, you know, Harry, I mean, we can talk about this on your show because I know the kind of person you are. It's like, it's deeper than that. It's way deeper than that. You know that. You've been there. You know what deep I'm talking about. It's like, it's going back to finding the scar or the wound you don't want anyone else to know about and addressing it and healing it and loving it and making it part of who you are, not in a weird way. But in a way that if someone else had the same scar, you could be more empathetic towards them, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the best part about podcasting is you get to empathize properly if you're listening to someone. And that's something new podcasters, I think, have a challenge with. And sometimes if anyone who's done any sort of editing can see, like, you can see that wave file where the host is speaking more than the guest and you're just like, okay, I don't even have to listen to the show. I know that you're focused on yourself and you're not giving your guest the opportunity. And so that my mantra is like, treat your guests like gold. And that applies in a variety of different contexts. But one of the things is, you know, that I have hour long conversations, they go, go by so fast, trying to make sure like I'm getting out of the way as fast as I can to let my guests tell the story because they can hear my story anytime they want. But that's a good interviewer, Harry. You know, like people are getting the wrong information on starting a podcast. And, you know, when you think about starting a podcast, most people, it's quite easy to kind of go, well, what kind of content am I going to give people? There's no shortage of content. There's no shortage of information. There's no shortage of topical based stuff. Right. And I think over time you understand or give more weightage to being in the moment, being grateful that even if you have 50 listeners, even if you have 50 listeners, yeah. I have driven 200 kilometers. I'm not sure what that's in miles, maybe 100 miles to speak to three people that I didn't even know in a room, right? Why am I disrespecting 50 people that are tuning in yeah. weekly yeah. or even 10 people? And I think there's all these different ideas of what success looks like, right? They look at other people doing things and they're seeing their highlight reel and their highlight reel does something for them, right? And we are not seeing all the stuff that goes on in the background. So I feel like when we're getting advice on starting a podcast, it usually is start a podcast so you can look like the authority in your space. Like, why don't you just be a student of the game? What if you just were a student forever and you were seen by every other expert to be the best student in the industry? Think about what that would do five years from now for you. And I can tell you from now, like when we get together, people for We Are Podcast, I look at the speaker lineup and I go, that's like the Avengers of podcasting <laughs> business. Yeah. Definitely. Like they're the, they're the, like, it's like I look at that and I go, wow. 
I could not have, I'm so grateful that I can put together that lineup. Every event gets better. Like it just, I'm surprised by it. And it's only because of the podcast. Yeah. And I'll attest to that because I did make it down. I did make it to one of them before <laughs> you went virtual. And that was one of the best and most fun experiences. And, you know, spending that time, it's an investment of time and a long flight <laughs> to get there from the States. But definitely like the conference itself was amazing. It, I love the intimacy of it. it. You know, small room, same single track. And then the, the retreat, speaker's retreat was par excellence. Like, you know, just th those moments, there's certain ones that I, I still won't forget. And a lot, we had a lot of laughs and, and got to connect with uh, the speakers that were there as well. So appreciate you for hosting. And that's uh, it's definitely a for the memory books experience that I'll cherish for a while. Thank you, man. That's all. That's really it. Like creating experiences, creating memories, yeah. you know, that's all. If you can create a memory in someone's head, like that's priceless. Yeah. So knowing what you knew about this, the experiences you had with Bon Appetit, understanding how you needed to grow and how you were starting to grow to be a more vulnerable, open, attentive business owner, host, friend, partner. You start to put all those things together and you decide it's time for a new show, Psychology of Entrepreneurship. What were you going to be doing to make this different than what you had done previously? Yeah, Psychology of Entrepreneurship was an idea that was on the branding document when Amplify started, when it was like one of the things that I wanted to do because they ask you, what are you doing now? What do you want to do next? And what do you want to do after that? Yeah. Right? So in that discovery session, it was audio documentary style. There were two things on that, audio documentary style show and Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, the, be the Gary V or something. I can't remember what that was. And, and it was crazy because my branding, the lady that did my branding sent me an email saying, I don't know whether you know, but this is three years on and you've achieved everything on this list. So the idea for psychology was what if I could create an experience for someone that would understand the psychology of the decisions that we were making, right? And if, and as entrepreneurs, we get put into these situations that actually not unique, but we feel like we're alone when we're put in them. And the idea of allowing my listeners to not be alone was something that I wanted to create because I've had a lot of friends, you know, take their lives and it was weird because I wouldn't have picked that. And I was like, I want to understand. I want to know more. I want to like, and to be honest as well, if I'm super honest, there are times that I have thought about it and, yeah. and I didn't really know how to process it. So put all that together. I wanted to interview people, but because I could interview anyone, I wanted to be specific on who these people were. So I thought to us, we thought to ourselves as a team, like, what if Ronsley could had to go and fly to these people and have the interviews in person? Yeah. Like, how would we constrain, you know, who the guests are? Because we had to, like, be super specific. So before COVID, I would fly to every guest location around the world and interview them for a long period of time, which then the team would take away, edit it down, take our 20-minute highlights, get, get it transcribed do scripting, do audio design, I would do narration and it would come out as a 30 minute volume of highly produced amazingness. And it's been a fun show to do primarily because it's brought everyone together. My team get better every week because of what we do on that show. As a result of what we do on that show, we can experiment, which gives us the chance to do that with our other clients. It gives us a catalog of what crazy things we're up to especially from audio standpoint where like we got we're doing cutting edge insaneness <laughs> with audio so what are some yeah. examples from a production standpoint that you, you've been able to do in the show 
like we've got clients, obviously we've got different types of clients. Some of our clients, uh, you know, come to us with different requirements. We've got politicians, actors, entrepreneurs, like different, they do different things. One client came to us and said, you know, she's a healer and did like retreats for like royal family and, you know, crazy kind of uh, people. And she's like, I want to just create a show, Ronsley, where people, where my listeners can just be. So I don't want any call to action. And it was really fascinating to do that project because it was, how can you create an environment where someone just gets to be an escape? Interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So we created a show where part of what we did was an element that changed frequencies. So it dropped their brain waves when they were consuming it. And Very cool. that was a year and a half, like, you know. <laughs> Very cool. And so tell me about, I've heard several of the episodes, especially when you first got started. And I think the production value is amazing. So that's that goes without saying. But I think what was interesting for me as a host and as a podcast consumer was the vulnerability that you shared and you got some of your guests to you know share as well. So I'm wondering, I imagine that was a very critical ingredient in the makeup of the show and something you thought about probably before even recording the first one. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the way we went about addressing that, we didn't really address it directly. We kind of went, how can Ronsley and the guests be in the most comfortable situation that they just have, they're just themselves? And how can they just have fun? So we reverse engineered everything to create that perfect environment when the interview was happening. There's a lot of, like each volume is over 40 hours of work that goes on to the, every week easily. Wow. Yeah. And I'm underestimating it. And so there's a lot of work that goes in primarily because we look at, look at it as a company rep, like you do sit ups, you do push ups, you see what are your reps, right? For us, this is one of our reps. Every week we have a production meeting, we get better. So we, one of the things that I wanted to do on the show was cover topics that was hard to talk about. And I realized that after doing a thousand two hundred interviews, I can't, I don't know, or something like that, that I had a gift to be able to talk about these subjects like race, like history, like misinformation, like the media, like religion, like politics, that we're told that we're not supposed to talk about. And equality being a huge one of them, I didn't realize that until last week when we were playing a, a game with my wife, Rochelle, and one of the questions, should we had to answer each other's questions. One of the questions was, if you became president, what was the first thing you, what first law would you pass? Interesting. Yeah. And she said that I would pass the equality law. And I never thought of myself like that. It was fascinating to hear myself, to hear that from someone else. So I wonder whether I answered the question or I went on a tangent. On that. No, it's all related because I think you were talking about the production work, the thought process, the topics you were covering. And I imagine that's something that was an outcome that you were looking for. And you wanted some the listener to feel something because I think as podcasters, you know, we think whether we say it overtly or we're just we have it in our minds, like we want the listener to experience something when they hear our show, regardless of who it is, and to have a feeling or to do something or to you know have an emotion or you know love it or hate it. <laughs> I always tell people you want to repel listeners as fast as you attract them because don't be vanilla. You know, you just you want to have a stand some topics. And so I think I'm wondering if that's something that you saw was happening as a result of the interviews, or it's something that you had thought of even before the first one that, you know, this is something we want to consciously think about for our production. No, not consciously, Harry, to be honest, I think it just happened to happen. You know, like, I like I remember now recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I've been covering a lot 
of perspectives as soon as Black Lives Matter movement happened. I've covered a lot of perspectives on race and I try to, we as a production company and as a, we look at ourselves as journalists, right? We try to look at every side and sometimes we look at all the sides and it's hard to consume some of the stuff, like especially when you look at some of the things that are done on Fox News that we don't really, I don't really can't relate to, right? It's so different. But we have to consume it. We have to go through that so we can distill the essence of what we're trying to say. And I've had conversations, the most recent one, where I've literally just been standing here with a tissue box, which is still here, you can see this, crying, hearing things that as an Australian who is just, I'm a new Australian. I'm only 11 years old as an Australian. I should know the history of my country, and I don't. And my history of my country it's hard to hear. Oh, yeah. It's hard to listen to. The history of most Western civilizations is is incredibly. The saying is, "History is written by the the victors." So, <laughs> when you do find the alternatives, it starts to wake a lot of people up. And some people don't even want to hear it, which is even scarier. Correct, and that's the best thing about what we do. Think about George Floyd would not have been captured if independent media was not capturing it on a cell phone. What you have to say today. So here's the thing. We've been told our whole lives that we are not supposed to say shit. We've been told our whole lives that you're not supposed to stand out. Don't let your voice be heard. Don't be conflicting and uh, try to fall into the crowd. And that more than ever is broken now because the crowd looks at mainstream media that is is conditioning us to think and do certain things in a certain way that allows them to keep going and keep doing the things that they have to do, if that even makes sense. Yeah, totally. How have you grown as a person i know you actually had you made important strides in the in your health which is you documented yourself so maybe talk a little about that and then also the mental shift that that created for you because even from the time i met you you know i, I just sense that you've gone through a personal transformation as well massive i think entrepreneurship in general is is transformational and i've gone through many you know transformations along the entrepreneurial journey. I don't think that I've gone through the last one yet. I feel like Ronsley, Ronsley's soul, right, is happiest when it's put in a little box and given a whole bunch of constraints and said, <laughs> try to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. So if I just get, it's just I just accepted that more and more, I think, over time. And I think that has been the biggest saving grace in terms of the growth. I feel like the biggest jump is when you learn to love yourself. And by a long shot, I don't think I'm there yet. Every morning, I feel like I can do better. And that's another part about the whole loving yourself because we're told to be hard on ourselves. We're told to like give ourselves a hard time. And if you don't, and you don't sort of set the goal and you don't run this and you don't do that, then you're not going to achieve this and that. And you know what? I've been through a crazy journey where I can say that I've run more miles this year than all the years put together. And in the last two months, I haven't run a single mile. But if I put that all together, I can tell you that it's not about running. It's not about diet. It's not about any of that. It's about how long through the day can you stop being hard on yourself? And how long can you just love yourself through the day? And the longer that period of loving yourself happens, it's magical what the world around you does to like assist with the whole process. Like it's this is a really good friend of mine. Her name is Kelsey Ramsden. She won, I think, Canadian 
top female entrepreneur of the year twice in a row and didn't want to enter the third year because she was going to win again and haven't, <laughs> hasn't entered since. And yeah, yeah. some of the things that she does for Canada is like ridiculous, including building roads and, you know, being called by Justin Trudeau for advice and stuff like that. But one of the things she said was, Ronsley, after a certain time, things happen at the speed of soul. And I said, Kelsey, tell wow. me more. <laughs> She's like, yeah, because we think that things happen at the speed of intellect and that's not even, that's why we have all these plans and we think that that's the intellect and we have to have the plan to like, and these are the things to get there. But at a certain point, you realize that if you let go of that and you get super comfortable in the plans not going according to plan, things happen at the speed of soul. And it happens, you can't explain it. It just, things happen that are magical and miraculous. And I can attest to that at every single time in my entrepreneur journey. Like, you know, I, to be honest, I've been a couple of bad decisions away from not being here right now, Yeah. you know, so. What does it feel like for you when you're traveling at the speed of soul? doesn't feel like anything it just feels normal it just feels you can't it's funny because as, as soon as you start to try to get there it goes away it's very elusive yeah. and it's it's funny not, it sounds like a flow state it is a flow state yeah it and it sounds state. like i think this the saying about uh that which is that which can identi be identified as the dao is, is not the dao or something like that. there's something along the lines like the moment you can put a finger on it and call it it's not it anymore it's you know it's something right. like that Right. And to your point, flow state, it is flow state and you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it is flow state. And to achieve flow state, you have, there are a bunch of repetitions that you got to do. Like you have to have these daily, weekly reps in place so that you achieve flow state just like that. <laughs> I <suppose>. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to that point, I have a very strict routine, especially since COVID on the flight back from LA to Brisbane. I knew I was going to be, you know, 14 days quarantine when I got back here. So I decided that I would wake up at 3.59 every morning, which I have been since, right? And I've been saying to Rochelle, I was like, I don't know when I should stop this thing. It's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so many months now. When do you go to bed? So I wake up early. So like eight o'clock, I'm probably oh, like okay. winding down. Yeah. yeah. By 8.30 for sure, I'm out, you know? So, but morning, wake up, I do a 10 minute cold plunge. I now my meditation has gone to like 30 minutes silent meditation, which nice. that's powerful for me. I, that's a long time. That's a yeah. long time. Yeah. And you know, those two things are like one of the primary things that keeps me. I do a lot of yin yoga the last year. I found that to be extremely helpful. I do a lot of sauna steam, cold plunge sort of reps. Those are just little things that allow me to get out of my head and allow me to stay in my body and allow me to like be in the now and be present. And, and I think all that combined probably contributes to, to that flow state. Very cool. So a couple of questions as we head into the home stretch here. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? I never believed I was a minority until June mm. this year. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I never. So I, I get a chance to attend some insane events around the planet. And one of them was in Los Cabos last year. And there was a session about minorities. And I had to go to my, I wasn't going to attend that. And I was going to my room because I wanted to do one of my psychology episodes got descriptive. Okay. And these guys, they were all guys, uh, they were like, aren't you going to that thing? And I'm like, I'm not a minority. Like literally, like totally oblivious <laughs> to anything, right? Okay. 
And because I understand Hindi, right? And these these people were Canadian Indians. So they were like, in Hindi or in Punjabi, probably, they were like, doesn't he, can't he see the color of his skin? But I understood it, right? So I took that back to my room and I was like, how can I be a minority? There are more brown people on the planet than any <laughs> other kind of people. Like how exactly yeah. minority? And I still didn't understand until Black Lives Matter, until... I realized that every time someone said, oh, you don't look like a Ronsley, they didn't actually, they meant something entirely different. Yeah. yeah. And every time they said, but you don't look Australian or you don't look Indian or you don't sound Indian or wait, where are you from again? <laughs> they meant something entirely different. And, and it all yeah. hit me during this, these last three months. So it's been a crazy journey. I'm still learning. I've realized that it, you know, that Every time I don't understand, my initial reaction is to like ask questions. And that is very ignorant of me. So I've changed my mind on that. I feel before I even open my mouth to ask questions, I've got to understand the whole scenario better. And it's only when you're immersed in the understanding that the questions you need to ask come up and those are better questions. So like just asking questions for the sake of asking questions are really stupid. Like, wait, you don't look Aboriginal. <laughs> so just don't ask people that kind of don't say that kind of stuff yeah i think everyone's had to reevaluate depending where and when you grew up on this planet a lot of things that we take for granted that people that are of a different skin color than us even myself like i'm latino but i can pass for caucasian right so you know african latinos there's black latinos so like and they go through their own thing as well and so it's been interesting and i think i feel like a younger generation now is coming where they don't have that, they're colorblind, you know, and, and they're the ones actually pointing it out to parents or to older, you know, our generation, like, oh, don't say that, like, that's not cool. And like, oh, like, it's not a big deal. Like, we just all hang out together. And we have gay friends, and we have black friends and Indian friends and whatever. It's just, it's not seen as a thing. And it's very beautiful when I see it, because it's just that innocence of like where we're supposed to be going back to probably you know if we're talking you know <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years to our the source you know whatever it is whatever whatever graham hancock podcast episode you listen to like on ancient civilizations but just you know there's there's some there's a, a return to innocence which i'm finding in the midst of everything that's happening there's a extreme craziness going on but there is pockets of sunshine happening as well which is reassuring yeah 100 percent. i think this is the best time because it's being exposed like when you think about it yeah it's when you look around the planet and you see all the nationalism that's going on right it's very nationalist and i ask these questions a lot to my guests on the show is like if you look at nationalism in general it's very non-equal in the way nationalism operates by right? its very nature yeah yeah and how much does that mean that we're going backwards if all these nationalist ideas are popping up and nationalist leaders are popping up across the globe, because, you know, it feels like we're one thing away from equality. And every time that one thing happens, we're like, oh, it's not yet. Like with <laughs> yeah. George Floyd, the movement, and then Breonna Taylor, like there's so many that thought, okay, now for sure, now for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I can, and here's what I'd love, you know, to leave us with, I suppose is, I have been more and more surprised by how much I disrespected the platform I've been given. I've disrespected how many people have worked so hard and tirelessly to give me the freedom to say the fuck I want to say right now, you know, which not long ago I couldn't and I wouldn't have. And, you know, women were not treated equally, you know, 
five decades ago, even yeah. not even even now, yeah. people yeah, even that's true. And I I think we got to understand that there's a lot of work that has gone on before us, and we got to have less short term memory. Like think about the fact that you can walk into a room and control the temperature of that room. Like just think about all the platforms you've been handed to you, and you feel entitled to get more, and this should happen, and that should happen. And I feel like just in general, we disrespect that we have this platform and. You know, we've got so much to say and so much to learn and so much to understand. And I think, you know, being a podcast junkie, it's probably one of the best things I've kind of done in my life out of all the designations I've had. <laughs> I think podcast junkie is probably up there for sure. Awesome. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about you? Oh, I'm an introvert. Bad introvert. <laughs> I uh, People think I'm all like outgoing or Ronsi will say whatever he wants to say. No chance. Fuck. Ronsley has to go into flow to be able to like say, like be in this state. It's, it doesn't come naturally. Yet. And you will know this from being at the speaker retreat, Harry Duran, how much I retreated in oh, that yeah. speaker retreat. <laughs> yeah, I was like in, yeah. you know, in the back room and I'm very introverted. And yeah, that's probably the thing that people probably don't know about me. Very cool. Well, brother, I appreciate you opening up, sharing your journey. I, I think it's valuable. The more times we hear it, you know, there could be a lot of things in here that people have heard before, but this is like, sometimes it's that one straw that broke the camel's back of like, aha, like, okay, I've got to do something. And yours, your story is incredibly inspiring. And what you continue to do is inspiring for podcasters, for entrepreneurs, for human beings. <laughs> so I want to thank you for doing what you do, for continuing to push yourself to demonstrate what's possible at a human level as well. And just kind of like not having, you know, limitations in terms of what, what we can do, I think is important for folks. So any parting thoughts about what the future is looking like, either from a podcasting perspective or anything that comes to mind right now? First of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me be here and talking about things I've probably not talked about before. We have, we have a podcast coming up November 5th and 6th. That's coming up. But from just leaving with a parting thought, I think just looking at seeing what you've built and what you've done and what you've managed to achieve as well is quite remarkable, Harry Durant. So I want to give you a lot of credit, a lot of props. I still have my podcast junkies, yellow t-shirt that I wear, and I'm just a huge fan of everything you do. So thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, I appreciate it and appreciate uh, the friendship we built over the years. And I'm glad to have uh, my audience hear your story now. So, so we'll, we'll have the show links to We Are Podcast. Anywhere else you're active online that folks can connect with you? Getting onto the Instagram thing. <laughs> so Ron <laughs> Lee Vaz on Instagram. But Ronsley, just just Google Ronsley. I think uh, there's probably only one of me. So. All right, brother. Thanks again for your time. I appreciate you. Much appreciation for Ronsley for coming on the show. Always appreciate when people in different time zones are able to figure out a way for me to have a chat with them. In all the years I've had the podcast, I think I've spoken to folks on every continent. I'll have to double check that. Well, maybe not Antarctica, but that is in the works. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 239. Intro and outro music composed by my good friend, George Abiana, cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite to see the full line of gear. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with fellow podcast producer Harry Morton, founder and lead strategist of Lower Street Media. We're in the same business 
and it's going to be a really industry specific chat about podcast production about what's happening in the world of podcasting and what it's like to be named harry <laughs> if you've made it this far you are no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag let's go with amplify ronsley hashtag amplify ronsley and you can tag us at podcast underscore junkies and ronsley at at ronsley thanks for all you do to support the show and don't forget podcastjunkies.com forward slash superfans for your chance to win a hundred dollars which will go to the person who refers the most listeners downloaders subscribers to check out podcast junkies